It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Well, hello there. It's time for parenting your challenging child. Dr. Ross Green here. Welcome to today's program. It's the first Monday of the month, and that means it's a parent's panel day. And that's fabulous. The only bad part is that it's our last parent's panel for a few months. We take summers off on this program. Still not clear about whether we'll be doing any programs over the summer. Um, But, uh, well, let's not be unhappy. Today's a parents panel day, and we already have Susie on the line with us. How are you today, Susie? Hold on, don't talk yet, because the Internet is being slow here. Susie, how are you? Great. How are you? I am doing well, and we now have Kathy on the line with us as well. How are you today? I'm great. I think spring has come to Maine, so that's a good thing. Um, it uh, finally has arrived here, although today's a bit, uh, today's a little crisp. Um, but we'll wait manage. a little bit. Wait a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, it was a nice weekend up here. Um, so our last parents panel for a little while, you, you both should be ready and raring to go because this program has to last for four months. Um, we always start the program with uh, me asking you both if you have anything on your mind, so let's do it. Um, what do you all want to talk about today? Kathy, Susie, you why don't go you first? go first? Oh, okay. You go first today. I'm not quite ready. I have my notes, but I'm not quite ready yet. All right. Um, well... Spring is a good time for a fresh start to try a different approach with your challenging child using Dr. Green's model, teaching lagging skills and solving problems collaboratively and proactively. If you're already implementing the model with your child or the child you're caring for, great. Fill out the LSEP, which stands for the Assessment of Lagging Skills and Unsolved Problems. Prioritize so you know what two or three highly specific unsolved problems you're working on now and put the others on the back burner. Think about what went well for your child this past school year year, as well as what things could be improved upon. Advocate for your child. Try to meet over the summer with the principal, guidance counselor, and teachers with blank copies of the ALSEP so that everyone's on the same page. You're collaborating proactively with both your child and the school to understand, collaboratively solve problems, and indirectly teach skills that the child or adolescent is lacking. Remember, Plan B's philosophy. Children do well if they can. 
Um, I also had some good and bad news. Um, let's start with the bad news. In our local paper, in Saturday's local paper, I'm just going to read it. A Denver area second grade teacher is accused of taping her students' mouths shut when they wouldn't be quiet. Uh, They name the school and um, police are investigating. And the unidentified teacher is paid on administrative leave. Um, It's just a shame that, well, it's tragic that she had to resort to uh, that method and um, by doing so traumatized her entire class. Um, so that was the that was the bad news. Um, the good news, I wanted to mention two things. Just if you haven't had a chance already, I just wanted to plug the Lives in the Balance website um, to say that Dr. Green's recent radio programs are very valuable if you're just getting started or need a refresher. Um, I took a little time this past month to listen, and um, they were great. Um, and lastly, the the public school in our city, um, their Board of Education approved a more tolerant code of conduct um, under which students, and I'm reading from the article now, will no longer be suspended for disciplinary problems like truancy, cheating, cutting class, smoking, and dress code violations. Punishment is taking a back seat to intervention strategies like seating changes, written apologies, notifying parents, peer mentoring, and conflict resolution. Um, People just don't quite understand how great Plan B can be, and we have not yet implemented Dr. Green's model, but we're working on it, so... That's what I wanted to say. So first, the bad news, and that is that there's a bunch of folks out there who still don't understand behaviorally challenging students Mm -hmm. and kids and are still doing things that reflect that lack of understanding. And there are still people who don't have the tools in the toolbox to keep them from putting tape over a kid's mouth. Um, But, of course, we always um, abide by our principles. Uh, Kids do all if they can. Parents do all if they can. Teachers do all if they can. Classroom aides do all if they can. Um, If they're not doing well, something must be getting in their way. Um, There you have it. Here's the good news, though. In lots and lots of places, P3 
people are trying on the lenses of lagging skills and unsolved problems. They are seeing behavioral challenges and behaviorally challenging kids through more compassionate, accurate, productive, effective lenses. And um, we just need to make sure we don't stop doing what we're doing because truth is we are being successful. It's just that it takes a while. And doing plan B, solving problems collaboratively with kids, is very hard. And it takes a while to get good at it. I wish helping these kids was simple, and I wish their uh, difficulties were simple, but they're not. So that's the hard part. But thanks for all that, Susie and for everything you do for Lives in the Balance. It's my pleasure, Dr. Green. Kathy, what you got? Well, I'm um I was thinking about how to how to try to word this and I decided that um I'm dealing with a a, a district with behavioral challenges. Um, I am my son is in an out of district placement and we're trying to get him some support for solving problems collaboratively. Um, this past year, he had a couple of times when he really got stuck and um, just became very increasingly rigid in black and white thinking and, and really in a place where people had a hard time talking to him. And and as you just mentioned, how hard this is, um, as, as much as people were trying at his, at his school, there was just a disconnect between what he was able to take in and what what they were able to get out of him and and how they were able to work together. So what we did was we did some outside work with a person who does this type of work here in Maine. And that didn't work as well because we were there was a disconnect between talking about a problem at school in an outside office and trying to connect that with what was going on at school, so it's sort of like playing that telephone game. You know, things would get lost along the way. So what we finally did is sent that person in, and 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 she did some sessions at school with teachers, even with a few other students that my son was having trouble with, and it was a game changer, huge difference. Um, suddenly barriers, you know, were lowered, and um, my son was able to take in different perspectives and come up with solutions and it just took the tension out of a situation that got quite serious. And so for um, those of you listeners who have IEPs, this is the time of year where you make plans for the following year and try to set new goals and um, what kind of supports you need to achieve those goals and, and where the kids are at, what their present levels are. And my son still needs a lot of support with Plan B, and he has a lot of lagging thinking skills. If I go down the ALSUP, I stop at almost every one. And um, and and he sh- actually matured quite a bit. I mean, we we are light years away from where we were when he was in public school in fourth grade. But having said that, he still needs a lot of support, and I'm trying to get. Uh, built into his IEP that this support person come in a couple times a month to work with the school and with him to solve problems that happen at school because that 50-minute session saves us hours of grief. 
and so much more schoolwork is done, and he doesn't come home broken and complaining. And um, the, the district is very resistant to it. They just, um, it, even though it's in his IEP by, you know, through a due process and all that, they really just don't buy into it. And I'm trying to think what language or what skills can I put forward as goals to make it stronger so that it's much more obvious. I mean, it's obvious to all the players involved, except for the ones that are, you know, the outsiders, which is the district. So I, I struggle with it because I really feel it is a necessary service, just as you'd have a speech-language person go in to help with social pragmatics or an OT to help with occupational therapy. Um, why wouldn't you have a CPS person go in to help with that if that's what the kid needs? Well, the tricky part, of course, is that an IEP doesn't guarantee buy-in. No. Um, An IEP says what folks in the school system are supposed to do for your kid, but buy-in is a fuzzier concept, Um, and an IEP can't guarantee that. Um, what guarantees, well, nothing guarantees that, but what facilitates buy-in is um, making sure that the ideas are presented to the people who are responsible for implementation in an accurate way and then trying to figure out what's getting in the way of them buying in Um, and making sure that the practical considerations have been taken care of as well. I spent a few days last week in a school system in the southwest, and what we basically were talking about is the the ingredients that are necessary, and one of them is proficiency in the model, which of course requires buy-in, and the other is creating the mechanisms through which the model can be implemented, time being the biggest one of those, um, and, of course, that requires buy-in as well. Um, if people are proficient in the model but they haven't carved out time to do it, it won't work. If people have carved out time to do it and they're not good at it, it won't work. And if they haven't bought in, they're not doing any of it anyways. That's the hard part. I, I think the hard part is that... Um the, 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 or one of the hard parts is that the, the school does have some familiarity, familiarity with it. I would not say they're good at it at a level, at the level that it needs to be at to solve the problems. I think they're really jumping forward to solutions instead of really finding out what everyone's concerns are. And and so we've added, we've had to bring in outside help um, in order to move things forward. And I just sort of see that as a natural extension of any other type of service that that's offered. In fact, I give up the other two in order to get this one. It it makes that much of a difference. Um, but I think the buy-in is probably going to be hard-pressed given that, you know, the sort of the history of what happened um, to get our son where he is. Yes, um I know there's history, 
um, and not speaking about your specific situation, but every place has history, not with a specific child, or but but every place has history prior to learning about the model. Every place. Um, frequently the reason they're learning about the model is because the history hasn't panned out so well, and so they are um, energized to do something differently. Uh, of course, there are places that are not energized to do things differently, even though the history is screaming at them loud and clear that they should. Um, but I find that once there's buy-in, the history primarily serves as a reminder of how things used to be and um, that we're striving for something better. Um, so hopefully history won't be too much of a hitch in their giddy app, but um, I guess you'll find out. Mm. I have a here's, a... here's a good example of history and what we hope we're seeing in the rearview mirror, which of course is history. I was lucky enough to be asked to do a little talk um, little like keynote, maybe about two weeks ago at Long Creek Youth Development Center, which is one of the two juvenile detention centers in Maine. And of course, the Maine juvenile detention system has implemented the model and um, has gone from, we might say, worst to first. They were previously pointed at by Amnesty International as an example of how bad it can be. This was about eight to ten years ago and is now being looked at as one of the shining stars uh, of systems of juvenile detention uh, in the country and in the world. So I was asked to show up at Long Creek Youth Development Center, which is here in South Portland, and um, because they were having a volunteer appreciation day. And um, I wasn't exactly sure what I'd gotten myself into here. But um, I showed up and, of course, was very happy to see some of the folks who I had worked with uh, over the years trying to help Long Creek um, transform its view of the behaviorally challenging kids that enter its doors and um, change the way they go about doing things. Um, and there were a bunch of uh, adult volunteers there, people who come into Long Creek to hang out with some of the kids who are residents there, as we might call them. But I was also surprised to find that there were kids in the room as well, kids who were presently being held uh, at Long Creek Youth Development Center. And um, I did a little talk, and my talk mostly focused on how lucky I felt to have been able to work with the folks at Long Creek I pointed out to them that though it's me who usually ends up on TV or talking to the newspapers about the transformation that occurred there, the hard work was done by tons of other people. Um, uh, but I So I talked about how I felt lucky, and then um, I asked the uh, adults to talk about how they felt lucky. And um, the adults, volunteers, were telling the kids, who are presently residents, sometimes known as inmates, but preferably not, how lucky they felt to know them and how much they'd learned from the kids. And it was really extremely heartwarming to see those. And then, then the kids had the opportunity to tell the adults, and this was sort of not like a love fest, but it was 
all straight from the heart. Um, the kids were talking about how lucky they felt, and there was such a bond between the kids and the volunteers and clearly such strong relationships there um, that it was really a very wonderful thing to see. But, of course, in the rearview mirror over the last six to eight years is people putting an enormous amount of hard work in to make that setting a true treatment center, not a juvenile detention center. Uh, actually, the full name of the facility is Long Creek Youth Development Center, not Long Creek Youth Prison, Long Creek Youth Development Center. And it's a place that now really lives up to its name. It's all about youth development. And it's about developing skills that serve these kids really well in the real world, which is why the recidivism rates at that facility have plummeted over the last six to eight years the way they have. Um, that's a testimony to the hard work. But in the rearview mirror, what, every, what, what um, puts all of this in perspective is not just that there is great work being done there now, but also the way it used to be. Um, so, Kathy, I certainly hope that it doesn't take six to eight years to, for the systems that you're hoping will be able to provide something similar for your son to make the transformation. Um, if they're familiar with the model, that's a step in the right direction. If they are not completely adverse to the model, that's a step in the right direction. They are further down the road than many places are at this stage of the game. Um, just not as far as we would like them to be, I suppose. Well, I think what, one of the things you just said resonated with me, which was teaching the skill, the kids the skills to deal in the real world or something to that effect. And I think that is really, you know, the crux of what you're trying to do with an IEP with a kid like my son. That's what he's he's lagging in. Well, and it begins with doing it on the problems that affect him and them in the school, but by doing it collaboratively rather than unilaterally, by solving those problems, by engaging the kid, not only in the solutions, but by gathering information about what the kid's concerns are so that we understand what's getting in his way better, and by letting the child take into account what the adult's concerns are your training skills uh, for the real world. Um, one of the things I said in my little brief talk at Long Creek was, and I was looking at the kids when I said this, I said something like, we love you while you're here. We'll miss you when you're gone. Don't come back. <laughs> and that's our way of saying um, the goal of any stay, whether it's in a... Uh, juvenile prison or an adult prison or a residential facility or an inpatient unit or outpatient therapy or a program in a school. Uh, what we're planning for from the minute the kid enters the program is for the day that he won't need the program anymore. That's what we're always planning for. Um, the good news is uh, solving problems collaboratively teaches these skills, these kids a lot of the skills that they're lacking. And um, Nothing bad about that.
Susie, how is it that the school system you were talking about locally has come to know about the model? Ah. Um, well, I've met with a couple of um, teachers within the school district and as well as uh, a prominent community leader and um, this person was especially helpful in um, helping me connect the dots on how to better um, get started uh, within our city um, and and trying again to um, take another stab at implementing the model. So you're you know, actually she, she helping... Gave me, she made some introductions and um, I'm following up with meetings. Wow. So you're actually helping expose people to... Um, the model. Yes, I'm trying to. Um, wow. Especially in our area, um, our inner city schools have a terrible um, graduation rate and just tons of suspensions and detentions and expulsions. So, um, we know what they're doing by proof of those statistics isn't working. Um, so I thought that they might be more open-minded to a uh, different approach with challenging children. Cool. Yes, it is. And how are you finding that? Um, it. Uh, it takes a lot of perseverance um, and putting yourself out there, um, and but it, but it's really interesting that it's like putting the pieces of a puzzle together. Uh, how one thing leads to another, and um, it like Plan B. It's a process. That it is. And and how are you finding people responding to you? Um, for the most part, uh, I've had a uh, positive response simply because um, what they're doing is so negative and really hurting the children. So... Um, they might be more inclined to doing it a different way. One of the things that lies in the balance is moving in the direction of, in a big way, is calling attention to what goes on out there. Um, the voices on those issues seem to be lacking. Um, and not only calling attention to how behaviorally challenging kids are still being treated, 
but also, of course, providing suggestions for what could be being done differently. Um, but I think it is wonderful that you are doing your thing in your neck of the woods. Well, again, um, I love doing what I'm doing, and it's my pleasure. The, the other really cool part is is that this information that you've compiled on the website is all free. And so instead of having these big, fancy, expensive organizations coming in and telling them what they already know, um, you can implement this different approach, uh, way of um, dealing with challenging children, and it doesn't cost a lot of money. It's it's just right there at your fingertips, and, and it's so logical. It just makes so much sense. Well, the issues are much too important for this to be an entrepreneurial thing. Uh, the entrepreneurial part is how do we get these ideas out there and in and in what ways. Um, and, of course, that's why there is a lives in the balance. I think it's very cool that you're doing what you're doing. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. What else do we have on the agenda today? Anything else on your minds? Actually, there is. Um if we have time for it. We do. Okay. Um, summertime is uh, going to look different when you have a challenging kid. Hanging out and relaxing and restorative time on the weekends might not be how it is for your home for now. Maybe one family weekend activity is enough family togetherness if life in your house is difficult. Having a behaviorally challenging child is not what you envisioned when you thought about having kids. I've lived that experience, and I'm here to tell you that by solving problems collaboratively and indirectly teaching lagging skills, life will get better. And like we were saying before, I understand that in the beginning, solving problems collaboratively is not easy and it takes time and practice. But if the adult perseveres, has patience, and resists the temptation to lapse into plan A or plan C, plan B works wonders. There is no magic pill, but plan B gives us hope. So a lot of kids over the summer... Mm-hmm. who are behaviorally challenging during the school year actually uh, have an easier time over the summer because one of the major stressors that was setting in motion challenging episodes is gone for three months. School. That said... Uh, and so there's some families that I've worked with who say that they look forward to summer because <laughs> one of the, the the biggest stressor has been removed. 
other families tell me that uh, summer is just awful. What what's your respective takes on summer, and especially if it's going to be awful, what you can do to get ahead of it? Well, I I'd like to jump in and just say that we have a hard time finding. My son is um, just turned fourteen, and it's at that awkward age, and 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 he has challenges as well as it being an awkward age where they're not old enough to work, but at the same time, you don't want them sitting at home all day doing nothing or, you know, um, we limit computer time, and that's he's actually very respectful of those limits. But at the same time, I feel like it's a time to get out there to explore, to try new things, and he is um, very resistant to that. You know, there's a fear of failure um, so it's very hard to get him to go out to try a new camp or try to learn a new skill. It's um, The things that we can get him to do are very, very small, like maybe a, 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 a surfing camp that lasts an hour and a half for one week for three nights. Um, so we get stuck with um, what we sometimes call at home the mule because the mule doesn't want to do anything. Um, doesn't want to be with his parents so much, but doesn't really want to get out there and, and um, put himself out there. And many social situations in prior camps haven't gone so well. Um, and if he can't get a friend to go to a specific one, like a specific one that he has picked out himself, you know, there's no flexibility there, um, then he just refuses to do anything. So what I struggle with is you have a long 10-week period of not a whole lot of plans and it, it works for our family life and that we, we both work from home so you know that can happen but at the same time it doesn't feel like it's the most um i don't know if productive is the right word but um just sort of wish that i could get him to take a few more risks and and try some more things that he might not have the energy to do during the school year. Kathy, does is he is your son interested in any particular sports? Team sports are a disaster. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, things like well in Maine we have many lakes and oceans and things like that. So yes, in terms of he tried surfing last year for this one little limited camp. Um uh-huh. And he'll go to the beach and he'll go swimming and things like that. But um, I don't have the time or the energy to, to organize those kind of outings every day, nor does he really want to do that. Right. Um, it's just really challenging to find the right mix. One one thing that helped our family was uh, my son was interested in soccer. And... Um, I I encouraged him to volunteer. There was a um, soccer program for um, children that had um, physical, emotional, and um, other challenges. And he was able to take some of that energy and give to others. Wow. um, you know, give us self and not be so self-centered. And 
um, actually, it it was it was very interesting to watch because while you could see the physical disabilities with the children that he was helping, and you couldn't see his disabilities, it was really interesting who was really helping who. Um, and in right. fact, it, it got to be such a wonderful experience that I started volunteering with him too, and and we just had a ball together. Hmm. I'm still searching. <laughs> does, does your son have notions about what he'd like his summer to be like? And it sounds like you'd like him to be busier and more active. I'd like him to have, to have some structure. And he he's fine with not having any structure. And um, that can kind of lead to flare-ups. Um, like he'll get sort of sleep in late and then expect me to drop everything and make him breakfast or lunch, you know, if he wants lunch at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. or, And so it can get... And Maine is also one of those states where people are pretty spread out and tend to go to camps or their camp or, you know, people disappear for great lengths of time. So it's, And his friends are not geographically close by. Um, you know, they're at least 20, 30 minutes away. So it's really hard to find that balance. Like, I would just love to have him do something two or three hours a week, two or, two or three hours a day, a few times a week, so that he had something he had to to go to and I just haven't found the right thing and he he isn't able to really generate any ideas either we even considered taking him out to go the Audubon Society has this thing where you can go and count frogs because Mm -hmm. they need to take a frog count population and that Mm -hmm. happens to be a special interest and he can actually listen to the different frog calls and identify them Um, but this year he's like nope I don't want to do that. So every everything that we come up with is is rejected. So it's kind of hard. I did get him to go agree to go to one two week um, program at his current school that's kind of targeting um, social skills, and, and and he's liked that in the past because he he gets to meet who who the new kids are for the following year, and it's pretty structured, and and so he'll do that. But that's about all we have on the burner. And my other son is is much more you know, typical and is, is able to fit into, you know, there's a myriad of things to do up here in the summer as far as camps and activities and things that you want to learn. So, he, you know, he's just sign him up and you have to kind of tell him no after a while because he would book up the whole summer. So it, it is a challenge because he doesn't really see it as a problem. But um, I kind of... I, I guess he then grates on my nerves just seeing him kind of mope around all day. If moping's what he's doing, um, if if he's right, and by the way, we have a caller, so we might want to okay. take our caller and I'll ask for a minute, but if he's right that he prefers being unstructured, okay. Um, okay. Your your observation is that he's moping, one big question is: Is he, or is, or is he? He's happy? probably not. I mean, he actually reads. He takes walks in the neighborhood. He's not, and he's not on the computer all day. We make that very clear that that's not an option. Mm-hmm. 
So well, you know, um, one person's moping is another's happiness, I guess. <sighs> yep. Shall we take our caller? We may. I hope we have enough time. But here sure. we go. Uh, okay. From area code nine one four, you're on the air with the parents panel. How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you guys? <laughs> we I'm are very well. Nervous. I'm sorry. I'm... We're, we're sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm the one who deals with the control panel here. That we well, don't be nervous with the parents panel. Um, I didn't realize that you were on hold for as long as you were. But go ahead. Tell us what's on your mind. We'll do our best in the little time we have left. Um, so I found your your book this past September um, for my six-year-old challenging son. Um, he is an only child. We have been very plan A parents up until reading your book, and um, it was a total lifesaver for all of us. Um, things have been going wonderfully um, since we've been solving problems collaboratively and, and working with our son and having him feel like we're definitely on his team. Um and things are going great. Um, you guys were talking about summertime, and that actually kind of uh, inspired me to call uh, because my son likes to solve our problems unilaterally. <laughs> like he decides what's going to be best for us for the summertime um, and is not really big on listening to my concerns. He kind of dismisses my concerns um, when it comes to making our plans. He is not interested in camps at all. Um, we've had some bad experiences. He's not very physical. He's pretty cerebral, but a lot of our camps in this area, um, you have to be a little older. Um, and he has really, you know, told me that he won't be doing what I would like for us to do this summer. <laughs> Um, you know, just in, you know, I thought it would be kind of nice for us to maybe do a couple of exercises, you know, during the day. And no, I'm not interested in that. And um, I was explaining that I would like to go to the gym in the morning. And I understand he doesn't like the gym. And what can we do? And we came up with a babysitter idea. Um, but then he dismissed it and said, no, I've decided that you'll exercise at home with me. <laughs> So how do you get a child to stop being so plan A with you? <laughs> well, uh, I think I'll take this one first, and then we'll see if we have any time left. Um, you, you describe yourselves as having been plan A parents. Now he's yes. plan Aing you. Um, it, it could be that he just hasn't caught on to this solving problems collaboratively instead of unilaterally thing just yet. But in your description of the conversation, and I know that you were going fast, so maybe you left out some details, it actually sounds like uh, what I'm not hearing in the conversation that you're describing is concerns. I'm hearing solutions. Um, you wanting to go to the gym is actually a solution. Uh, you wanting exercise, mm, I don't know if that's a concern or not, but you want to make sure that you don't end up just having um, solutions that are competing with each other without having given a lot of um, time to figuring out what the concerns of both parties are. Because the wiggle room is in the concerns. If you're stuck between two solutions, it is often the case that it's because there weren't enough concerns on the table to figure out what it is exactly that you are trying to address, 
and now you're just trying to compete um, for which solution is going to win, and that's kind of the definition of a power struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my two cents on this. Susie, Kathy, anything you want to add to this? Um, I just wanted to say that uh, don't take it personally. Um, your son doesn't have to really care what your concern is. He does have to, you know, listen to it. But as we said before with our well, at least in my case, with my significant other, I will listen to his concern and take it into account, but I don't necessarily really sometimes care so much about it. Now, unfortunately, uh, Susie, thank you for that. We're going we're gonna to run out of time on our caller, but caller, I have an open offer for you. Um, if you want to call in next week, we will be able to devote significantly more time, and then we won't be um, guessing what's going on. We can actually take our time and figure out what's going on. Sound like a deal? Okay, great. Okay. That sounds wonderful. Great. Thanks for calling. We'll be here next Thank week you. for you. And that's going to do it for us today. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you, Susie, for another great year of Parents' Panel. Pleasure. Yeah, it was awesome. And I'll be back next week. Thank okay. you. Take care, Kathy. Bye. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.